we quickly learned with Caleb that every day really is worth celebrating and that every day is a gift. And I think that was such a tender mercy to learn that lesson early on in our family, what a gift every day was and how precious it is to live in the present and Mm -hmm. to soak in every moment. Hi friends, and welcome to this episode of Today I Am Enough. I'm your host, Kara Murray, and together we will bravely discover truth and joy through sharing our stories, and we will also discover how we can feel and know that we are enough. Hello friends, I'm here with my good friend and neighbor, April Moody, and she is going to share her amazing story with us today. So, April, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks for having me, Kara. Kara is one of my favorite people on the planet, so it's a fun opportunity to be together this morning and have some girl time. Thanks, Kara. So I am a boy mom. I have four boys ranging in ages 17 down to age 10. And so over the years, that means I've gotten pretty good at getting out stains and not being afraid of worms (laughs) and being willing to go on hikes. I love it. Uh, My husband works at BYU in the athletics department, and so we are both really big BYU fans and have a lot of fun going to BYU games together and eating cougar tails and cheering loud. So fun. (laughs) And a few interesting, maybe silly things about myself. I love chapstick, and so I can't leave home without it. I always need to have a lip smackers or a chapstick or something. I love that about you. (laughs) I also love springtime, and so this time of year when everything is blossoming and the spring flowers are coming up, it just makes me happy happy. It's so joyful. I love this time of year. Um, Another one of my favorite things are warm chocolate chip cookies right when they come out of the oven. They're my favorite when they're still gooey and a little crispy around the edges. That's how I am too. I love it. Yeah, there's nothing better. So I love those. Perfect. Thank you. All right. So why don't you go ahead and start telling us your story or at least a part of one of your stories? Sure. So today I just wanted to share a little bit about our journey with our third little son, Caleb. And as I reflect upon his journey and our journey with him as a family, I often think a little bit about the phrases that you hear a lot when you're expecting a baby. Sometimes you'll hear phrases like, you know, are you having a boy or a girl? Mm -hmm. Or maybe I don't care what I'm having as long as he has 10 fingers and 10 toes or as long as I have a healthy baby. Yeah. You hear a lot of those phrases. And I probably would have agreed and would have said a lot of those same things myself until Caleb. When we had our very first ultrasound with Caleb, it became very apparent that he had significant challenges. One of those challenges was that we could not see his brain. And even though we didn't know all that that would entail, um, each time we would return to the doctor during that pregnancy, we would find out that there were additional challenges that he was dealing with. And it always seemed like there was something else missing. I'll never forget the the time that a doctor called me after I had an MRI in utero, and he casually told me that Caleb was also missing one of his eyes. And at that point, I think my heart was so tender because I could see we weren't just dealing with isolated issues, but now there were a cluster of things that weren't working right for Caleb. So finding out that he only had one eye in addition to all of his other challenges was so tender. And I can remember we felt like we needed to prepare our little boys who then were about five and three to welcome their new little brother. And we wanted them to kind of be prepared but what he might look like and some of the things that he would be facing. And for little kids, they don't really understand what we can't see his brain or what some of the other things that were going yeah. on in his body. But he having only one eye was so concerning to them as little mm-hmm. ones. And I'll never forget the 
car ride that we were on when my oldest little son, Josh, just started to cry. And I turned around and said, what's the matter, Josh? And he just kind of out of nowhere said, I'm just so worried about Caleb only having one eye. Oh, that's so sweet. And he was so worried about what that would mean and what he would look like. And he said, Mom, will he look scary when he's born? And I pulled the car over and went and sat in the back seat with him and said, don't worry. I think that Caleb will just wink at us every day. And that little phrase of wink really helped to calm his heart and it gave him a sweeter picture as he was preparing to meet his little brother. And so Caleb's little winking eye really kind of became a source of hope for us even before we met Caleb. When I was growing up as a teenager, I couldn't remember my parents sitting in the front row at my choir performances or different things that we were involved in and being embarrassing. I'm the oldest, <laughs> I'm the oldest of 10 kids. Yeah. And so all this whole line of little brothers and sisters and excited <laughs> parents, you know, would sometimes feel so embarrassing. But one of the things my mom always did is she would always catch my eye and wink at me before I was involved in anything that might have been a little scary or a little yeah. bit intimidating. And so as we were expecting Caleb, I thought a lot about that and a lot about the winks that I grew up with and now expecting a little boy that was going to have a winking eye, thought a lot about what a wink had meant to me in times that were maybe a little bit nervous or tender for me. And the way that my mom constantly showed me with her wink that she believed in me and that she loved me and that she saw me. And so I often thought that Caleb's wink could likely be his mission that he had a way that he could always show us that he loved us, that he believed in us, and that we would be okay, even if we were scared. So when Caleb was born, he, we quickly did find out that he was missing most of his brain. Doctors had originally hoped that fluid that had accumulated in his brain, which they called hydrocephalus, they were hoping that the brain tissue that he could have had just been pushed to the sides of his skull and so we couldn't see his brain Mm -hmm. but it became quickly apparent with more testing after he was born that the fluid that was in his head was filling an empty space and that the brain tissue hadn't formed and that the brain tissue that he did have um, was malformed and so we quickly saw that his prognosis was very serious and the doctors did not expect that he would live for more than a few days, maybe a few weeks, and one doctor gave us um, the chance of maybe a year. Wow. And so, so what was his official diagnosis? So his official diagnosis is hydrancephaly, which okay. means water on the brain and no brain, kind of at the same time. Okay. And it was kind of a loose diagnosis because Caleb was very unique. Um, and, and quite often with a diagnosis like that, it does affect your eye development as well oh, because the brain, the brain tissue and the eye de- tissue kind of develop at the same time. So just as we thought, Caleb's wink was adorable. And any of the fears that we had or that our children had quickly disappeared as soon as we had the opportunity to meet him and hold him and love him. And his little wink ended up being one of our favorite things about Caleb. I remember one of my sons when we brought Caleb home from the hospital saying, Mom, do you think that when Caleb gets resurrected someday that he can still have his winking eye because it's just so cute. I love that. (laughs) They loved it. So after spending a few days in the ICU, we ended up taking Caleb home from the hospital on hospice care because there really wasn't anything else that they could do in in the hospital. And so our life with him really did entail oxygen machines and heart monitors. And as his life went on, 
um, eventually a permanent feeding tube in his stomach and a, a tracheostomy to help him to breathe better. As we experienced our life with Caleb, I feel like the fears that we had in the unknown were quickly replaced with joy and love and light as we learned sweet lessons from our little boy who never uttered a word with his mouth, but told us so much with his little wink and the brightness of his spirit. Um, Sometimes in the medical field, I think that they prepare you for the worst. As I said earlier, Caleb's prognosis was grim. And so when we brought him home from the hospital, we were encouraged to purchase a burial plot and start making arrangements for his eventual funeral. And I remember going to the cemetery and seeing the burial plots that were available and settling on a place that we felt would be a good place for him. And at that moment, making the choice to never go back there again, because it didn't seem fair to Caleb to be mourning in advance when he was here right now. We made the choice as a family to celebrate every day. And the fears that we had about missing him really needed to hand those over to God because living in fear and living in grief wasn't the way that we wanted to spend our time with him. And so we really quickly started celebrating his birthday every week. We would make treats with candles and celebrate in different ways as a family. And we celebrated every single week of his life up through the first six months of his life. I absolutely love that you did that. (laughs) I think that's so cute. And with having such little boys, your other two, Matthew and Josh, that were so little still, I'm sure that was so fun for them too, just to be able to like have a little party every single week for their brother. Did they love that too? Exactly. They loved it. And they looked forward every week to when we were celebrating Caleb. And the celebrations weren't just a weekly occurrence. We quickly learned with Caleb that every day really is worth celebrating and that every day is a gift. And I think that was such a tender mercy to learn that lesson early on in our family, what a gift every day was and how precious it is to live in the present and Mm -hmm. to soak in every moment. Um, But one of the things I feel like Caleb taught me early in his life was that it is never living in denial to live a hopeful life. Sometimes I would bring Caleb to return doctor visits and different appointments and I could see doctors kind of shaking their heads or wondering if I really understood the gravity of Caleb's situation. Yeah. And I feel like over time, as they continued to get to know me and continued to get to know Caleb, they could see that we were choosing to live a hopeful life and that it didn't mean that I was a person living life in denial, but we were choosing to be hopeful and to plan for the future and would make the necessary adjustments if necessary. But living in hope and living in joy was the way that we wanted our memories to be with Caleb, whether we got him for weeks or months or years. I love that. And you do live your life like that. Thank you. you. Oh, you're so kind. On paper, Caleb's prognosis and the list of things that didn't develop quite right was long and cumbersome. And so often to somebody who didn't have the opportunity to meet Caleb and just looked at his condition, oftentimes I would be asked, well, what can he do if he's missing his brain, if he's missing his eye, can he see, can he move, can he think, can he hear? And one of the things that Caleb taught us was that it's not always what you can do that matters the most, but it is who you are. I think that Caleb taught me that it's not always our outward accomplishments 
that are as meaningful as the quiet way that you bring love and light into the world. And though by the world standards, Caleb could not do very much. Caleb could not sit on his own. For a a good portion of his life, he couldn't breathe on his own without the assistance of oxygen or a ventilator. Um, He couldn't eat on his own, Mm -hmm. um, couldn't hold up his head. And so the list of things he couldn't do were pretty long. But who Caleb was, was miraculous and wonderful. Yeah. And he filled our whole home with love and with light. And when I go into his bedroom in the morning to greet him and get him ready, the the love and the sweet spirit that was in his room was just palpable. And I feel like Caleb didn't need words to be able to minister and to share love with anyone who had the opportunity to be in his presence and to be around him. And I think of that a lot when I think the world tells us that our meaning comes from what we can do. When I feel like Caleb taught me that it's more who we are and those quiet ways that we minister to others and share love in ways that are unique to us might not always be recognized by the world that really are what bring meaning to life. There's just such a different kind of feeling in your house. And Caleb really did bring that. And just the sweetest, most peaceful feeling all the time. Just such a sweet little boy. And I feel like all of us that knew him learned so much from him and from the way that you and Alan both just loved him and the way the boys did. Example was just unreplaceable. It was incredible. That's so that's so kind of you. We I'm sure we have you fooled because we have our fair share of crazy moments at our <laughs> oh, house. I'm sure you do. But Caleb Caleb was a great example to all of us and I think we're so lucky that we got to know him for a little while in his life. Oh, thank you. So even though Caleb's life was filled with a lot of medical complexity, so he required a lot of medical care and a lot of therapy and doctor's appointment and things. Ironically, even though his medical care was quite complex, he really brought simplicity into our family life. I don't know if that yeah, makes sense. It does. Because he really did make us need to carefully choose where we spend our time. Mm-hmm. And he really encouraged us to put our focus on what mattered the very most, which I feel like just really brought a lot of simplicity and meaning into what we were doing as a family. And as a young mom at that time, Sometimes I would look sideways and think, oh, are my children going to suffer because they're not involved in soccer like the neighbors? Or we're not going to Disneyland right now like our neighbors can because Caleb couldn't travel and the things that we could do with him were quite limited because he was quite homebound. Yeah. But we took lots of trips to the park. We took lots of trips to the library, went on lots of walks and did things that were simple. But seeing the world through Caleb's eyes and experiencing the world, the way that Caleb could be experiencing it brought so much joy into our family. And we would just be tickled when we would see his little face brighten up when he could feel the breeze blowing through his fluffy little hair. Yeah. And I'll never forget when my little boys were digging in the backyard, digging up worms, and we had Caleb out there sitting in his little chair. 
And I looked over and at his little hands and they were filled with worms because my boys were digging them up and putting them in Caleb's hands so that that. he could feel them and experience that. That's so funny. Which I just thought was so cute because his brothers really didn't know much of life without Caleb. Yeah. But they delighted in bringing the world to him in their own sweet way. Yeah. Making him a part of their play. Exactly. He couldn't be down there, but they can bring it to him. I love that. Exactly. And I love Dallin always told the boys bedtime stories when they were little and he always would tell stories about the three brothers who would somehow get into trouble, but then Caleb, the one-eyed bandit, would come and get the bad guys and take them to the city dump. And so seeing Caleb just become such a central part of our family and watching my boys see Caleb for who he was, not his limitations, brought so much joy to my heart as a mother and just taught me lessons I feel like that were beyond what I could imagine in those early months of expecting Caleb and not knowing what having a little boy with his severe conditions would do to our family. One of the one of my favorite quotes is a quote from Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And he says, and I'm not saying this perfectly, but he says something, when most I wink, then do my eyes most see. And I feel like experiencing life with Caleb, maybe through his little wink, helped us to see the world in a more magical, in a more eternal way. Um, I feel like seeing through the eyes of a little wink helped us to find love and miracles mm-hmm. in each day. Yeah, I and love that. It's, I feel like having Caleb in our family really did open our eyes to the miracles that surround us every day. And when I was expecting him, I can remember talking to my husband and asking him, I'm not sure quite what to pray for. Do I pray for a miracle? Do I pray for him to be healed? Do I pray for us to be brave that we can do what we need to do to help Caleb? And I can remember struggling, wondering, what do I pray for? What what miracles should I pray for? Because I wanted him to still have the opportunity to be true to whatever his mission was on the earth. And I remember coming across a quote by Albert Einstein that says (laughs) something like, there are two ways to view the world. One is as though nothing is a miracle, and one is as though everything is a miracle. I love that. And even though Caleb was not healed from the challenges that he had in his body, I feel like every day of his life was a miracle. Yeah, just him being here. Yeah. This is one of my favorite parts of Caleb's story. Will you tell us about the time that you were searching to find out how long someone with the same diagnosis had lived? Sure. After Caleb was born, I searched his condition once we knew more information about what he was dealing with and found a website that highlighted children with similar diagnosis as his. And as I read through the stories, I saw that sadly many children with prognoses that were similar passed away before their first birthday. But as I continued to read through their stories, I saw that there were many who didn't. There were many who outlived their prognosis. And I can distinctly remember the thought coming to my mind that Caleb could make it to his seventh birthday. And I kind of tucked that thought aside, kind of thinking I was probably just computing some averages or some things in my mind. But that number seven stayed tucked in my heart and it gave me permission to breathe and to feel hope that Caleb could be with us longer than we maybe had initially anticipated. And even though we didn't know how long Caleb would be with us. And he had many ups and downs in his health and in the amount of time he had to be in the hospital. But that hope that he 
could outlive his prognosis just kind of settled in a tender little place in my heart. And we really did decide early on that we would plan for a future with him, that we would enjoy every day. Mm -hmm. And that little number seven, I just kind of tucked away in a quiet little corner of my heart because at that time, seven felt like a long time compared to what the doctors were telling us. That you have weeks, you have maybe months. And so seven felt like... A huge amount of time, I'm right? Sure. Exactly, so yeah. much more than what we would have anticipated. Okay, so what was a typical day like with Caleb? Like, what are the different things that maybe you had to do, or what was your sleeping schedule like? I know that was a little bit different <laughs> than maybe a little different than it is now, but what was a typical day like? Maybe when when he was a little bigger, maybe like five or sure. three ish okay. or whatever. Right. Okay. So Seven. when he when he was a little baby, he had various medical care with with medication and oxygen and we monitored him monitored him closely but his schedule was very much a newborn baby schedule and mm-hmm. so even though he wasn't able to eat with a bottle or through nursing we still fed him through a feeding pump that yep. needed to be changed you know every couple of hours just like you would feed a newborn baby i think the difference is as Caleb continued to grow and get bigger the newborn schedule never changed. And so we still were up every couple of hours at nighttime to make sure that he was turned and fed and changed. As he got older and needed to have a feeding tube and a trach, that also involved various medical care. But a typical day with him would entail waking up in the morning um, after kind of a nighttime of making sure that he was fed and taken care of. And then kind of starting a little morning routine of making sure he had a little bath or a sponge bath in his bed, making sure that his tummy was comfortable and kind of getting him ready for the day. He had various therapy appointments, which we were fortunate enough to have the early intervention specialists come to our home. And so he often had a physical therapist come into our home to help stretch his little muscles since he couldn't move them on his own. And we had vision therapists that would come into our home and help him use his little eye. And even though... We weren't sure how much he could see. We did know that there were times that his eye was working. And so watching him respond with delight to various lights and colors and things was so joyful to watch him experience joy in his little body. Mm -hmm. And throughout the day, we would continue to feed him. And so that was very constant throughout the day. And we also needed to monitor his oxygen needs throughout the day. And as he got older, we'd need to determine whether or not we needed to hook up his trach to a ventilator to give his lungs a little rest. Mm -hmm. Um, So even though there are a lot of things to keep track of with Caleb... A big portion of my days with Caleb involved a lot of snuggling and a lot of rocking in my rocking chair. And one of the sweetest uh, parts of my day in taking care of Caleb were the quiet times that we just had to snuggle in our little rocking chair. And even though Caleb couldn't speak to me with words, I felt like he spoke to me with his heart. And I felt like we had the sweetest conversations without needing language to get in the way. Yeah. And that time I had with him... In my little rocking chair, rocking with him also taught me the importance of being still and finding still time in the day because I felt like that also was when my heart was open to be taught things that I needed to be taught or maybe just to have a closer connection to heaven. Mm -hmm. But sitting with Caleb and snuggling with him and just wrapping my arms around him and listening to his heart just reminded me every day what heaven must have felt like. Um, Seeing you and Caleb together just snuggled up with it was just magical, really. You could just see the love that was there from both of you. It just emulated, brightened all around the two of you. I loved it. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. You mentioned that you have four boys, and Caleb was your third. And so 
how old was Caleb when your last little boy was born? And how was that managing Caleb's schedule, which you just mentioned was kind of like a newborn schedule, and then having your fourth baby and being pregnant and managing another newborn schedule? Oh, that's a good question. So I can remember when we found out we were expecting our fourth little boy, and many of our friends would ask, well, are you scared? Are you nervous? And ironically, we just weren't nervous at all because we thought we could go in to an ultrasound appointment with this little little one, and they could tell us almost anything, and we would be <laughs> like, okay, we can do that. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Um, which I thought was such a sweet little gift from Caleb that he helped us not to be afraid mm-hmm. of things not always going as expected. Yeah. Um, but when, when Mitchell arrived, he was our fourth little boy, Caleb was two, so they, they're about 22 months apart. So okay. he was he turned two shortly after he was born. And it was like having twins. It kind of was like having twins for the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. But Caleb was so patient. He was so patient. Oh. And so I felt like he just understood in his little spirit when, when, Mitch, Mitchell, when Mitchell needed me. And he was content to wait I a minute if, when, when he needed to wait a minute. Um. Watching those two grow up together was such a sweet experience because for the first couple of years of Mitchell's life, my lap was just full of two boys. I just put, <laughs> put, the, put the two of them on my lap and I'd feed feed Mitchell on one side and then I'd have Caleb hooked up to his Aww. feeding pump on the other side and they would just eat at the same time and That's I'd sing so to them and read them little stories. And, I love that. And as they got a little, as Mitchell got a little bit older, we got a side-by-side stroller so they could sit side-by-side Aww. and Mitchell would just reach over and and grab Caleb's little hand and he always always wanted to hold Caleb's hand when they were in the stroller oh together even when he was just little That's and so sweet. he was so funny too because quite often I'd look down over the top of him and he would have pulled Caleb's feeding tube out because at that point he didn't have a permanent feeding tube oh, he just yeah. had one that went down his throat yeah and I'd look over and Mitchell would have pulled it out and would start sucking on <laughs> Because he's like, if Caleb's eating that way, I probably can too. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> kind of gross, buddy. <laughs> but Caleb just be or Mitchell became Caleb's little protector. And whenever, because Caleb didn't have a lot of head control, whenever yeah. his head would kind of start to flop, Mitchell would just pick it up and put it back where it needed to go. And oh, so it was funny. really just so sweet to watch those two be little buddies growing up together. And Mitchell never knew life without Caleb. Right. And so I'd find him often with his a sippy cup in one hand and then a hand through the crib where Caleb would be sleeping. Oh. And he'd be holding Caleb's hand with his little sippy cup in the other hand, just watching over him and protecting him. And he loved Caleb's vision appointments and therapy appointments just as much as Caleb did. Because he would just jump right in and get involved <laughs> and the therapist would let him help. And oh, so he felt like a big that's helper. That's so sweet. Do you want to tell us about your, your seven years? Sure. Maybe backtracking clear back to before I even got married, Dallin came to pick me up for an Easter date. And so this is before we were married. We weren't even engaged engaged at this point. And he called me and said, can I come pick you up on Easter morning? So he came bright and early to my house and picked me up. And I had no idea what he had planned. And we drove to the Spanish Fork Cemetery um, because I was living at home at the time. He had packed a little breakfast, like with cinnamon rolls and juice and things. And we just found a little street to park on in the cemetery and we watched the sun come up. And he turned to me and he said, I just wanted to be here on Easter morning because on Resurrection Day, this is going to be the happiest place to be. And little did we know that we were going to get married, number one, and that several years later, we would find ourselves in that cemetery burying our seven-year-old little son. And I'll never forget those words echoing through my mind when we 
drove through the cemetery gates on the day of Caleb's funeral, remembering that on Resurrection Day, this will be the happiest place to be because that day it was my saddest place to be. I think that as Caleb approached his seventh birthday, I wasn't really thinking about the number seven, but I could see that his body was starting to get tired, but I didn't really want to believe it. Um, But as the, the winter time came, we always got nervous about how Caleb would weather the winter because winter time was hard for him with the many illnesses that are going around. Was it common for him to get sick in yeah. winters? We, we almost always spent a good chunk of time in the hospital while he would battle a pneumonia or an RSV or something as a result of the kind of colds that go around right. that time of year. And I can remember the November before he turned seven having a really antsy feeling inside. And I grabbed my sister and said, will you just take some pictures of us? Because I'm worried about the winter. And so she took several family pictures of us just to put my mind at ease. So in the coming months, I could see that Caleb wasn't feeling his best, but he wasn't feeling poorly enough to be hospitalized. So as he reached his seventh birthday, we celebrated with my parents. So we blew out candles. We were so excited that he turned seven years old. And little did we know that in a few weeks, he would be hospitalized for the last time. So a few weeks after he turned seven, he turned seven in January, right after Christmas. Just about a month later, I could see that it looked like he was developing a pneumonia. And he had had pneumonia numerous times, and so I could kind of see what that looked like. Yeah. And so I took him to the the pediatrician that evening, who confirmed that he did have a pneumonia, that it was had gotten quite severe quite quickly. And so we went to our local hospital, which isn't normally where we go. Normally we go straight to primary children's hospital, but because we had done pneumonia so many times, there was a doctor on call there that, that often worked with us at primary children's hospital. And so when we got there, it was only a matter of hours before Caleb really just started to spiral. We ended up being life flighted to primary children's hospital so that they could give him the care that he needed. My husband and I weren't able to go in the helicopter with him because he was was requiring so much support that there wasn't room for us to be on the helicopter. And so we ran out of the hospital in time to see the helicopter take off. And it was just the very beginnings of dawn. And we watched the helicopter fly off into the sunrise, wondering what the day was going to hold for him and for our family. And I can remember as we were racing to the hospital in our car to meet him there, just thinking about the many times that I had prayed that if there was a time that we needed to say goodbye, that God could help to put my heart in the right place, that I would be able to do that. And at this point, was not sure if today was that day, but was thinking about, is this the time that my heart's going to have to go to a place that it's been protected from for the last seven years? So when we got to Primary Children's Hospital, Caleb was surrounded by an army of doctors and nurses trying to stabilize his breathing and his heart rate. And most of the time that we were in the hospital with Caleb, I was able to be right by his bedside, even when they were doing various things to help him to become stable. But at this point, there were so many doctors around him that my husband and I found we were kind of needing to hover in the doorway Mm. and watching Caleb's oxygen numbers and his heart rate and seeing the amount of support that he was receiving was heartbreaking. And I remember turning to my husband, Dallin, and saying, I don't think I've ever seen him this unresponsive to treatment, or I don't know if I've ever seen him this sick before. 
and it's we so had heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, and we had seen him very sick before, and we had had many hospital stays where we didn't know if we were going to make it home with him or not. And as we were watching his numbers, I just remember pleading in my heart and in my mind while I was just sobbing in the doorway. I remember pleading in my heart and in my mind with God to help us, not knowing what we needed to do, if we needed to be preparing for goodbye, or if we needed to continue to hold on to hope that he would turn a corner and start to get better, just like he always had. After a few minutes, Caleb did stabilize. And after spending some time at his bedside and visiting with the doctors and nurses, we slipped out to go to the cafeteria to grab some breakfast really quickly. After we returned to Caleb's room, it was only a matter of moments before his blood pressure took a drastic dip and the doctors had to call a code blue on him and race in and do chest compressions to stabilize him again. And at that point, our hearts just sank because we had never seen Caleb's situation get that desperate before. I pleaded with God to help me know what I needed to do and to help my heart be in the place that it needed to be. And I can remember saying over and over again, where are you? I can't find you. And feeling disappointed that for seven years I had trusted God with my hardest worry and now I was facing it and I didn't know where he was and feeling alone in my hardest moment. After Caleb was stabilized, I went over to his bed and I held his hand and I stroked his little cheeks and I put my cheek next to his cheek and just wrapped my arms around him. While I wrapped my arms around him, it was like I could feel God's arms wrap around me and remind me that I was never alone, that he was right there and that he would never abandon me in my hardest hour, but that I was just too sad to see him for a minute. And almost immediately, my heart shifted to this tender place where I knew we were saying goodbye today. And I leaned down in Caleb's little ear and I whispered in his ear, Caleb, if your body's too tired, it's okay. And his sweet little body that hadn't even moved a muscle for 24 hours or more and throughout the course of his life had never really been able to have much purposeful movement. But in that moment, his little hand grabbed onto my hand and squeezed it three times. And I knew that that was Caleb reassuring me and telling me that it was okay and that goodbye would be okay. And it wasn't until later that my husband shared with me also a similar moment where Caleb squeezed his hand three times. Oh my goodness. And so we felt blessed for that sweet reassurance that Caleb was with us, that he was aware and that he loved us and that he was telling us also goodbye. And I feel like in those moments, my heart was put in the right place where I had clarity in what we needed to do in order to say goodbye to Caleb in the way that we wanted to. And we were able to make the necessary arrangements that we needed to. And in the meantime, Caleb had another code called on him and we could see his sweet little body wasn't responding the way we hoped it would to treatment. And so we were able to instruct the doctors that it was time for us to love him and hold him and that we didn't need to intervene in those ways anymore. The doctors brought us into a private room where we could hold Caleb and I was able to lift up all of his wires and things that were monitoring him and crawl underneath him in his bed and hold him in my lap until his brothers and my parents got there. And I could feel Caleb's sweet little spirit just filling up the room and 
helping us to have the reassurance and the hope and the love that we needed to say a hard goodbye. Shortly after my parents arrived with our little boys and each of them had the opportunity to hug Caleb and tell him goodbye. After spending some time together, my parents took our little boys home so that Dylan and I could have some private time with Caleb before we needed to leave the hospital. So how old were your boys? Our boys were sixth grade and fourth grade and preschool age. So little still. Still little, and Caleb was their best friend. And I'll never forget watching the tears roll down my fourth grader's face as he told Caleb over and over that he was his best friend. Oh, that must have been so hard. Such a tender moment, I'm sure. So tender and also so sweet to see the depth of love and devotion that they felt for each other. And sometimes it's that devotion and love that you have that makes goodbye so hard. Yeah. And so I wouldn't trade the depth of love that we felt feel for one another for the heartbreaking of goodbye. So Dallin and I had the opportunity to spend some quiet time with Caleb in the hospital. Laying him down on the hospital bed wrapped up in a blanket and walking out the door was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. I still remember that day and finding out that Caleb had passed away. Lots of tears, I think, for everyone that knew him and knows you and your family. Tender day. I'll never forget walking down the hall and walking out the door and remembering when we had little baby Caleb in his car seat, dragging oxygen and machines behind us, just wondering, how are we going to be able to keep him alive? And then walking out the door for the last time without him and just wondering, how does life go on without him? Yeah. And I love that you just, when he was just so tiny, you just had that little number seven tucked away in your heart and your mind. And that's what it was. You got to have him for seven years. What a miracle. It was. Every day that we had him, I knew was a gift and a miracle. And no one would have ever guessed that our sweet, sweet little one that came with all of the odds against him would Mm -hmm. live to be seven years old. And that's one of the reasons we chose the name Caleb and we chose his name before he was born. But his name means having courage in the face of overwhelming odds, which I felt we felt like was just perfect for him. We just passed his 12th birthday, right? We, would be we can look at it that way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Five um, years closer to being exactly. together again. <laughs> what do you guys do to celebrate his birthday or him in your everyday lives or when you go on vacations and things right. like that? Okay. What do you guys do now to celebrate and remember him? Well, I feel maybe to answer your question about what milestones are like, you know, as the years goes on. Something that's always helped me in additional years going by without having Caleb is the hope and the faith I have in my heart that his death wasn't the end, that we'll see him again, that this is a temporary separation. And so I love thinking of it that each year that goes by that we don't have him with us is one year closer to being together again. Mm -hmm. And that helps my heart to stay in that hopeful, joyful place that we'll be together again. And it's always been important to us to keep Caleb a part of our family because even though we're apart right now, he's still ours and he's still such an important part of our family. And so one of the things that we do every time we go on a trip is we find a way to share a wink. And so usually we'll take a picture with all of us winking our eyes or sometimes we hold up the letters to the word wink. Or sometimes we write the word wink in the sand, but we always try to find a way to include Caleb in what we're doing as a family. And I think it's important for my boys to see 
that he's not forgotten. So if there's ever mm-hmm. a time that they're not with us or they're at college or they're yeah. away from home, that they're still remembered and loved. Um, and we always continue to celebrate his birthday. We still have cake. We still have candles. We still I have balloons. It. And we did that when he was alive, even though he couldn't ever eat his cake. Yeah. We, we still like to celebrate his birthday. And we have tender times at the cemetery when we're remembering and sharing memories and the things that we love and appreciate and have learned through our experiences with Caleb. But most of our experiences in reflecting about our time with Caleb are filled with joy and filled with sweet and tender feelings of the miracle of Caleb in our lives and the influence that he continues to have on each one of us every day. How do you feel like your boys handle everything with Caleb now? I mean, you guys have your moments and things like that. Do they still have times where they come and talk to you about how much they miss him or do they remember? I mean, they were all really young. Right. So I think that each one of my boys has processed Caleb's death in a way that's very unique to them. I don't know if it's because they're little, they're boys, not little boys anymore. Now they're big boys, but coming and having a heart to heart with me isn't necessarily the way that they like (laughs) to experience the world. (laughs) But I've seen each one of them grow and mature through their grief and in their relationships with their family. And I also believe with God. And also I've seen the way that they're gentle with those around them and especially those who are different. Yeah. I can see that they have developed a compassion. And I think one of the ways that they honor and remember Caleb is remembering to treat people with kindness and to maybe look past outward challenges, look more deeply into who people are. I love that. Has been a blessing for them. And, And they're not perfect kids and we're all learning and growing. But I think that the things that they've learned by having Caleb as their brother and the sweet influence that he continues to be on them will affect them in a good way for the rest of their life. And I think having compassion, especially in seeing people for who they are, can be so hard, especially for teenagers right? and young kids, because Mitchell's not quite a teenager yet, but a great quality that they've been able to have in their lives. What do you feel like you have gained from being Caleb's mother? What is the joy that you see within the sorrow or the hard things that you did have to do or have gone through? Where have you been able to find joy? And um, One of the things that I'll always remember from Caleb's funeral is a phrase that my dad said at the very end of his services. And he said something to the effect of, it never really was about what we did for Caleb. It really was all about what Caleb did for us. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that the question that question puts me right back to that place that Caleb did so much more for us than we ever did for him. But what a joy it was to take care of that precious little body and to feel the sweetness of his spirit just brightening up our home. It also really brings joy to my heart to remember that it's not always what we do that matters most, but who we are. Mm -hmm. And I love that sweet lesson that Caleb taught me without ever using words that it's the sweet ways that we can find to bring love and light into the world that matter the very most. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's been so fun to chat. I remember Caleb and the sweet little boy that he is. Oh, thank you. Thanks for giving me a chance to talk about him. That's so kind of you. Anytime. Thank you for joining us on the Today I Am Enough podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you never miss when we have a new episode out. You can subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, your podcast app, or Stitcher. 
If you know someone that has an amazing story that you think I should share, or if you have an amazing story you'd be willing to share, feel free to email me at kara, K-A-R-A, at todayiamenough.com. I would love to know what your story is, and I would love to share it with our listeners. You can also make sure to subscribe to our newsletter if you go to todayiamenough.com. You can find all of our podcast episodes there as well as blog posts. Follow us on social media, on Instagram or Facebook at Today I Am Enough. I hope you always remember that today you are enough.